Welcome to Kadampa Podcasts. These podcasts offer practical solutions to daily challenges and help guide us to a happier and more peaceful state of mind. In each episode, you will find an extract from a teaching given by one of various Kadampa Buddhist teachers worldwide. All these teachings are inspired by the profound wisdom of Venerable Geshe Kelsang Gyatso Rinpoche, a Buddhist master for our time. We hope you will enjoy listening. I'm just going to read a little bit from this book, Clear Light of Bliss. Geshe Kelsang uh, quotes Buddha Shakyamuni, the founder of Buddhism in this world. He said, Buddha Shakyamuni said, Do not accept my teachings simply because I am called Buddha. Okay, so that was Buddha, that's a quote from Buddha Shakyamuni. Do not accept my teachings simply because I am called Buddha. And then this is uh, Geshe Kelsang's commentary to that quote. Time and time again, he reminded his disciples not to accept his teachings out of blind faith, but to test them as thoroughly as they would assay gold. Okay, so somebody gives you some gold, you're going to have a you're going to buy some gold. <laughs> you might want to test that gold to make sure it's, it's not fool's gold, right? That it's actually pure gold. So in the same way, Buddha Shakyamuni is saying, don't accept what I say just because I'm called Buddha. He says, test my teachings. Test them. Why? It is only on the basis of valid reasons and personal experience that we should accept the teachings of anyone, including Buddha himself. So therefore, within Buddhism, believing faith is based on logical reasons and personal experience. There are different types of faith. There's believing faith, admiring faith, wishing faith, and in time, I can talk about all of these. But right now, for example, just if, if, we, if we listen to a teaching about the real source of happiness being inner peace, when we listen to that teaching, we can think, um, does that teaching make logical sense? Is it logical? Does it accord with my experience? And is its purpose worthwhile? Like if I were to actually put that teaching into practice, if I were to believe that, that inner peace is the real source of happiness, and therefore, if I believe that, I would apply more effort to find happiness. Because we apply effort to be happy. We don't, need, we don't need any encouragement with that. We're doing that all the time. It's just that we're normally looking outside ourselves for happiness. So when we hear this teaching, if we develop faith in this teaching, if we believe, really believe, inner peace is the real source of happiness, it will change our behavior, right? And so if we're going to be changing our mind and our behavior, we better believe that that purpose is worthwhile. It's going to bring benefit to myself and others. In another one of Geshe Kelsang's books, he says something like, uh, going to a Buddhist teaching is not unlike going to a supermarket. <laughs> you know, the teacher says many things, but you just take what you need. Right? And I, that make, you think, that makes sense to me. That's logical, 
it accords with my experience. And if I were to apply that teaching in my daily life, it would be beneficial for me, my family, and so forth. Wonderful. Then that's believing faith. It's not blind faith. Then, as just one last reminder of last week, our final object of meditation then. Because we listen to that teaching, we develop maybe some faith in it, and we think, okay, therefore, in order to solve my inner problems and experience lasting happiness, I must learn to control and transform my mind through spiritual practice. Okay? And that transformation is by nature transforming our mind from a negative, unpeaceful state to a peaceful, positive state. From one point of view, we could say this is the essence of spiritual practice. Of course, spiritual practice is vast and profound, but the essence is learning to control and transform our mind in, in order to uh, identify, reduce, and abandon the causes of problems and sufferings within our mind and to cultivate the opposite, the causes of happiness and freedom within our mind. And therefore, to learn how to solve our own and others' problems and to make ourselves and others happy. In short, to fulfill our own and others' wishes. I like this personally quite a bit. <laughs> okay, so now we're going to learn more about... So that object of meditation was in order to solve our problems. This book is called How to Solve Our Human Problems. And we understand we're going to do that through controlling and transforming our own mind. A lot of times we think, I'll do this through controlling and transforming others' mind and behavior. But in truth, <laughs> to solve our problems, we need to control and transform our own mind. So now we're going to learn a little bit more about what does it mean, a problem? And what does it really mean, therefore, controlling? How does controlling and transforming our mind solve our problems and make us happy? So I'm skipping ahead to the next chapter which is called desire. Desire, wish, aspiration, these are all synonyms. Sometimes people have a mistaken idea about Buddhism, that Buddha taught that we need to abandon all of our desires or wishes, but this is not correct. What we need is a wisdom to distinguish between correct desires and mistaken desires. Because our deepest wish, which is just fine, it's natural. We have a wish to be happy and free from suffering. Everyone does. And to fulfill this wish, we develop many other wishes. <laughs> but lacking wisdom many of the things we are wishing for in order to be happy create the opposite. They cause us suffering and problems. That's a mistaken desire, or what Buddha called uncontrolled desire, or what is called, it's also called attachment. Have you heard these terms? So like uncontrolled desire, attachment, or desirous attachment, they're all synonyms. 
So I'll use them interchangeably. In essence, so desire here is referring to uncontrolled desire. There are many correct desires we need to have. For example, the desire to take care of our physical health, the desire to care for our family and friends to benefit others, the desire to develop and improve our inner peace, compassion, wisdom, and so forth. These are correct desires. Mistaken desires are those that disturb our inner peace, the source of our happiness. Okay. You know, we, we, in, our, in our modern society, we, we talk about addictions and things like this. We can see very clearly in these extreme uncontrolled desires how they create the opposite of what we want, you know? But we feel controlled by them, right? So that shows it's an uncontrolled desire. We don't have control over our mind. And even in our search for happiness, we are destroying our happiness, our inner peace, as if it were a foe. And even though we don't want to suffer, we continue to engage in actions and develop states of mind that create suffering for ourselves and others. So these are uncontrolled desires. Okay, so to solve our human problems and enable us to find everlasting peace and happiness, Buddha gave the most profound teachings for us to use as practical advice. So Buddha's teachings are not meant to be not meant to be taken merely on an intellectual level. Of course, at first we need to listen to teachings or read books and try to understand the meaning of what is being said. And then we get some intellectual understanding of Buddha's teachings. That's important, but that is only the first step. In truth, Buddha's teachings are meant to be taken as personal advice, practical advice that we can use in our daily life in order to solve our inner problems of unpeaceful, uncontrolled minds, such as uncontrolled desire or attachment, anger, and so forth, and which we can use to cultivate and maintain positive and peaceful states of mind. Okay, so it's personal advice. Intellectual understanding of Buddhist teachings alone does not have the power to solve our own or others' problems. Intellectual, intellectual understanding is an important first step because if we don't understand Buddhist teachings, we can't practice them. So, but the, the intellectual understanding is, is not the, the, the be-all, end-all. That's not enough. I, I like to use the example of, you know, just knowing, for example, the definition of patience, which we're going to learn pretty soon. That is not enough to prevent us from getting angry when someone cuts in front of us on the road. <laughs> right? We need to actually have practiced patience and have experience of patience. It's our experience of virtuous states of mind, dharma, that protects us from unpeaceful, painful states of mind. Not just knowing a spiritual teaching, that's not enough. 
Okay, we need to put that teaching into practice. So great Buddhist master Shantideva said that um, we need to put Buddha's teachings, the Dharma, into practice. Because nothing can be accomplished just by reading words. He said, a sick person will not be cured of his or her illness through merely reading medical instructions. Okay, so if you so all, Buddhist teach so all these. Um, I, I also I'll say this many times as well, is that when we listen to teachings, we start to find out that there are many faults within our mind, but the teaching is not criticism. Okay, it's it's like going to a doctor and receiving a diagnosis. Like if you if you have a physical ailment and you go to the doctor and the doctor says, Ah, I know what it is. It's this. You have this. We don't feel criticized <laughs> where we're like happy to receive a diagnosis because now we know what's wrong, right? And then, and then the doctor prescribes medicine in order for us to be free from our physical sickness. But from our side, we need to take the medicine. E even if the doctor gives perfect diagnosis and gives us excellent medicine and we put it in our medicine cabinet, you know, in our, in our bathroom, like if every day we go in there in the morning, we open the medicine cabinet, we pull out that bottle, we read the instructions, and we're like, this is really good medicine. This is really good. I'm so happy I have this medicine. And then we put it back on the shelf and close the cabinet door. And then we go back later and the doctor goes, you're still sick. Have you taken the medicine? No, but it's a great medicine, doctor. I've read, I've read the instructions many times, and one day I will take it. <laughs> like that, right? It's not going to work. So I love this example because it makes it very clear that yes, studying a little bit of Dharma, learning, very important. But then that's just like getting the medicine. Now we have the medicine. Then we need to use that medicine in daily life to heal our mental continuum, like we said in the prayer. Okay? by trying to put that instruction into practice and therefore learning to control our anger, our jealousy, our self, selfish intention, and to um, transform our mind into positive, peaceful states like patience, loving-kindness, compassion, wisdom, like this. So it's a practical teaching, personal advice. His teachings are known as dharma, which means supreme protection from suffering. Dharma is the actual method to solve our human problems. Okay, so dharma is the actual method to solve our human problems. So this means we really need to understand what is, what, what is a problem? Like it, instinctively we know when there's a problem, but precisely what is a problem? And even more precisely, what is, what is our own problem? Okay. For one end, this sounds like quite simple. And as you're going to find out, there, there are different kinds of problems. There are inner problems and outer problems. But normally we never hear these words. <laughs> We just know problem. 
Like no, no one ever teaches us about to be able to distinguish between inner problems and outer problems. Like whenever we feel to have a problem, it's just a problem. See? We don't, we don't think, oh, this is, is this an outer problem or an inner problem? Because in truth, we need to deal with both differently. But we always just, whenever we experience a problem, we just feel that we have a problem. And as we'll find out, we always think outer problems are our own problem. Because lacking wisdom, we feel that our daily experiences, pleasant and unpleasant, have external sources. So if we feel to have a problem, so how does it feel to have a problem, good or bad? Bad, yeah. Yeah, we feel bad. Because like, if you tell someone, oh, like, I have, I have a huge problem, like, they don't, they don't think that you're, you're telling them that they're really happy or that that person's saying they're really happy. No, you, you understand they're unhappy at that time. I have a huge problem, you know. They're like, what's the matter? Okay, so problem is not good. We're just doing simple things now, right? Because this is like instinctively we know problem is not good. Like we, 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 we kind of know we have a problem. Why do we know? And how do we identify it? These are really important because it depends, like the, the, the method we choose to solve the problem we think we have depends upon understanding clearly what is our real problem and what is the source of that problem. This is a special wisdom, as we'll see. So first we should consider what is the real nature of our problems and what are their main causes? Our problems do not exist outside our mind. The real nature of our problems is our unpleasant feelings, which are part of our mind. You know, in general, this is quite a, a, a deep subject actually, but in general, we can say happiness is an experience of pleasant feelings and suffering is an experience of unpleasant feelings. But as we'll find out later, there are different types of pleasant feelings. For example, there's a pleasant feelings from eating ice cream and there's the pleasant feelings that come from inner peace. The, fe the pleasant feelings that come from uh, um, mental peace arising from wisdom this is true happiness. We have some pleasant feelings that we call pleasure that comes from a reduction of some painful feeling. Okay? Like if we're bored and, um, and then we pick up our phone and scroll, right? We're like, oh, 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 you know, like this. And then our boredom temporarily disappears and we have some, some good feeling. You know, but that good feeling doesn't last and then we need something else, right? So this is like, so like, or for, here, here's a simple example. Um, like we're all sitting down right now. Maybe when we first sat down, we went, ah, oh, that felt good, right? And it was a pleasant feeling from sitting down. So if we just sat here all day, <laughs> even, even for like two hours, like at some point, right? We start to go, I'm really looking forward to standing up. And then we stand up and we're like, Oh, that feels good, <laughs> right? So 
Yeah, on one hand, we say, when I sit down, I'm happy. If we're tired and we sit down, we say, I'm happy. But that happiness is just a, is the temporary pleasure that arises due to reduction of pain. So pleasure and pain are the same continuum. But there's no real happiness in that continuum of pleasure and pain. We call the pleasure part happiness, but it's, it's mixed with suffering. Right? The only reason we get the happiness of sitting is because we have the pain of standing. <laughs> okay? And then the reason we get the happiness of standing up later is because we have the pain of sitting. Because the happiness of sitting turns into the pain of sitting. And then we stand up and then we have the happiness of standing. Right? Like that. And all those pleasures, so you can, that's, that's eating, that's even our normal relationships unless we have pure love in our relationships, which we do, but it's also mixed with attachment. Anyway, all these subjects we'll get into. So what happens is we mistake temporary pleasure for real happiness. And therefore, we're always seeking happiness in objects of sense pleasures. And all the while, we experience many disappointments, problems, unhappiness, and addiction because we're looking for happiness in the wrong place. Choosing the wrong methods to be happy causes our human problems to increase. Now, what are our human problems? Our problems do not exist outside our mind. The real nature of our problems is our unpleasant feelings, which are part of our mind. If you feel inspired by this podcast, then dive deeper into the timeless wisdom of modern Kadampa Buddhism by following the link in the episode description. We look forward to reconnecting with you in the next episode of Kadampa Podcasts.